everyone, welcome to episode 52 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we're going to look at some updates for FreeTDS, uh, HAProxy, Giri, and we're going to cover details of a few regressions unfortunately, but in uh, Whoopsie and AppPort and uh, Firefox. And later on, Joe and I are going to have a talk about the uh, recent news that 1404 ESM or trusty ESM is now available for personal use under the Ubuntu Advantage program. All right, so let's just get into it. So uh, first up, we've got an update for trusty ESM. Uh, last week, I talked about an update for Apport, uh, and we've now released the corresponding update for trusty ESM. So if you want more details on that, uh, have a listen back to episode 51. Uh, we've also got an update for file. So this is a popular utility used for uh, basically diagnosing what a particular file is on the command line. So you run file and a, you know the path to a file and it tries to inspect the file and figure out what it is. Uh, and the OSS Fuzz project from Google, they found uh, a heap-based buffer overflow, uh, which could overflow up to four bytes past the end of the buffer in the CDF parser. And this is uh, CDF, it's Composite Document for File Format. Uh, this was used for Microsoft Office prior to their uh, more recent uh, zipped XML format. So this is like your old .doc or .xls files. Uh, but yeah, this was found with uh, libfuzzer, as I say, via uh, OSS fuzz. And yeah, that's been fixed for file. So if you are running file on untrusted files, you're a little bit safer now. We've also got an update for free TDS. So this was one CVE fixed for a Bionic, a Disco, and Eowyn. Uh, this was actually found by Felix Wilhelm from the Google security team. And he found that if a server were to downgrade uh, the protocol version uh, to version five and to then send a UDT type to the client, uh, it would cause a heap-based buffer overflow due to a mismatch in size because the uh, client would still be using an old value for the size. And so this was fixed by just forcing the appropriate size to be used once that uh, protocol downgrade had happened. Okay, up next, I've got a couple of regressions to cover. Uh, the first one is in Whoopsie. So back in episode 51, so last week I talked about an update to Whoopsie and this is the component in Ubuntu that is used to upload crash dumps to uh, errors.ubuntu.com so that we can track you know, which packages are maybe encountering issues and you know, go and fix them. And so the original issue in Whoopsie was a possible integer overflow and we fixed that by converting a bunch of signed integer types to size types and then doing a bunch of actual checks on different length values to make sure things weren't being overflowed anymore. Uh, the problem was by using a size type, this could then be say up to eight bytes long on a 64-bit platform. And this would then get used as the length to be encoded into a four byte length uh, internally because it uh, whoopsie uses uh, BSON, the binary JSON format, to upload the crash dumps. And so it would take the size type, it would then try to convert that into a four byte integer uh, length, and it would only take the, you know, say the bottom four bits. Uh, and so then they would get initialized correctly, but then the, top, the upper four bits wouldn't be initialized, so they would be uh, uninitialized. And yeah, that would then get used in a, um, a mem copy later on, so it wouldn't copy a huge amount of memory, and you would get a, a possible buffer overflow. So that was fixed then actually to uh, initialize that. Uh, but we then realized that this uh, could still cause a crash on say uh, big Andean architectures because if you are initializing the size type, you know, you may have essentially when you do that four byte mem copy, you may copy it out of the wrong end of it. And so you still get the wrong size value. So it was fixed to change that to a UNT32. So then you're using a 32-bit sized size type that's unsigned for all of uh, the size, size handling. 
which uh, yeah makes a lot more sense. So yeah, that's been fixed for Whoopsie. Uh, we also unfortunately had a regression in Appport. So I talked about an update to Appport last week. This is the kind of the other component of our crash handling system in Ubuntu. Appport is used to actually um, generate the crash dumps. So it hooks into things like uh, the kernel's uh, crash dump handling or the core, core generation handling and generates a nicely um, formatted crash dump that contains lots of other things as well that we can use to diagnose what's happening. And uh, this was updated to handle a bunch of different issues, but in doing so, we missed one small part of the code. There was a Python library uh, that was now calling what was an, an old API that hadn't been updated, and you would then get uh, you know, a crash or a you know, stack trace out of Python as a result. And so this was just fixed to update the API to then be backwards compatible and to fix this call site to do the right thing anyway. Okay, uh, so we've also got an update then for HAProxy. Uh, and this is quite interesting actually, it's related to a recent presentation that was done at Black Hat and I remember actually our own uh, Mark Deloria, he uh, told the team about this one. Uh, it's called HTTP request smuggling and this is kind of a cool thing where you have say um, in modern web uh, deployments you have kind of a front end and a back end server and you get HTTP requests that come into the front end and then they get kind of proxied through to the back end and if the front end and back end treat things slightly differently you can then get interesting results and the idea of HTTP request smuggling is that you know you get a client that sends a request and it sends those in separate chunks the front end will handle you know some of that and it will get passed to the back end and you could then say get an attacker that could then send a request and due to the way that these things get chunked up and the way that they get handled differently between the front end and the back end you can actually have the attackers um, kind of request appended to the original client request and then when you get a response sent back that can actually get sent back to uh, the attacker rather than the original responder and uh, what the researchers did here they actually then were able to acquire say a heap of different cookies and tokens to log into various websites as other users as a result and so uh, part of the problem here in say HAProxy was that it wouldn't reject messages that specified a transfer encoding but without using the chunked value and so this could then be com combined with HTTP session reused for this request smuggling attack. Uh, and so this was fixed really just to make sure that if uh, transfer encoding was used uh, without specifying chunk that those requests would get rejected. Okay, uh, up next we've got an update for Nokogiri. This is a uh, popular Ruby library used for parsing XML documents, so HTML, XML, SAS, and it provides things like XPath and CSS selector support. Uh, so a pretty popular thing, uh, but unfortunately it had a command injection vulnerability. And this was due to its use of the Rexical gem and what it would do is it would actually call eval on uh, part of the argument that was passed to it. So, you know, not a great thing. So, you know, then the Ruby engine would go and just eval whatever code you would call it with. Uh, this isn't uh, kind of out of the box vulnerable. You actually need um, someone to deploy it and then use it uh, and call an undocumented uh, load file method that was present within its CSS tokenizer. Uh, so, you know, that has been fixed in Nokogiri itself so that even if that is called, you know, this eval isn't used you know, behind the scenes, but most likely there aren't too many web apps that were actually vulnerable as a result. But yeah, as I say, this has been fixed for Nokogiri. If you were using that, you are now, uh, you're now safe. And last up, I've got mention of a regression in Firefox. So this affects uh, all the standard support releases. That's Xenial, Bionic, Disco, and Eowyn. Uh, this is uh, an update to the latest upstream Firefox release of 70.0.1 and this fixes a regression in the previous 70.0 release. In that case, some pages with dynamic JavaScript would fail to load 
and that was due to uh, when they released version 70, they enabled a new next generation local storage backend, uh, but this would then cause this issue to, to happen on various websites, and so they've just disabled that by default now back in 70.0.1. And that's it for security updates for this week. Next up, uh, I've got a discussion that Joe and I had about the recent announcement that uh, Trusty or 14.04 ESM is now free for personal use uh, under the Ubuntu Advantage program. And it's all due to this brand new UA client or Ubuntu Advantage client that has been released and that was done uh, mainly by the server team at Ubuntu. Hey Joe, how's things? Things are fantastic, Alex. Looks like we're on another week in what our 52nd podcast of the Ubuntu security podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's over a whole year worth of podcasts. Um, when I first started this, I guess I didn't really know how it was going to pan out, but it's awesome. And in particular, now that you're on board, it makes it uh, a whole new dimension. Well, I like you say now that I'm on board, you know, I've been here for uh, a year and a month now. So, but only on this, only on the podcast for like six months, right? Indeed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, six amazing and- months of podcasting. That's right. And actually, we've had a lot of good feedback. In particular, I remember someone that emailed us and said that I probably would have stopped listening uh, if you hadn't brought John. So that's always good to hear. Now, in, in, in their defense, we've probably gotten just as many that said, I stopped listening when Joe came on. So, you know, it's <laughs> six and one half dozen the other. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough talking about ourselves. Uh, so what's been up to, Joe? Tech-wise, our team is global. And as such... We have to schedule meetings at all sorts of hours, and I use Google Calendar, but at a certain point, I just don't want to keep clicking on the Find Time button, so I created a little snap called Team Time, which you can install with sudo snap install team time, and you can look at your team's times by creating a little CSV of the um, of where they are, what city they're in, and their um, time zone. So I've been using that a lot, and I made a little update over the weekend, so that was kind of cool. Cool. Yeah, I heard you've been getting uh, PRs from other people as well that are interested in it too, and that's that's awesome. Which is just insane. Who knows that um, people actually use stuff you make? I don't. Know. I don't. Know. <laughs> now, you, now you have to support it. Sucked in. <laughs> now, that said, I was all excited about this. Then you showed me that you had had a shortcut in Emacs that you've had forever that does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's Emacs, isn't it? Anyway. Um, <laughs> All right, so um, so the news this week was that uh, Trusty ESM, 1404 ESM, is now available uh, for personal use. Yeah, we have a new tool called the UA tool, the Ubuntu Advantage tool, and um, that lets personal folks, um, same way we've got LivePatch out there, so I think it's three or less systems, you can install um, uh, ESM for Trusty. And so actually we've been saying ESM a lot, but ESM is Extended Security Maintenance. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're familiar with our LTSs. So LTS, long-term support, is um, free support for the first five years for, um, say, non-commercial users. Um, So when that ends, uh, in the past, it was over. No more patches or updates from us. But now we have something called ESM. And so after those first five years, we continue to patch high and critical and some medium CVs when it's um, when it's possible for these um, for the pa- packages on our server CD with a few minor exceptions. Um, but if you have that server ISO, that's basically what we continue to support. Um, and the reason we do this is because there are a lot of folks out there who can't update the day or can't update to a new system, can't make that migration. 
the day we have a, a, a the, the LTS ends. So um, this is a way for you to stay patched, stay compliant. Um, if you have a large infrastructure, this can give you time to start prototyping on the newest LTS that came out and then make a uh, make your transition over to the newest LTS, knowing that you're still being patched. Yeah, so previously, uh, you know, we, the first ESM was for Precise 12.04, and that was for two years. And now we have trusty ESM or 14.04 ESM for three years. But uh, I recall Mark Shuttleworth uh, announcing that uh, Bionic, uh, which is 18.04 LTS, uh, the current um, or most recent LTS, should I say, will have ESM for five years. So if you add that up, that's a decade. So in 2028, yeah. I'm really good with math. Yep. Um, so that is, that is amazing that, that that OS will be supported for, for 10 years. Um, and that will be an interesting um, bit of work for us. I think that we'll be patching Python 2.7 in 2028. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, it's a good Look, it's a good problem to have in that, you know, we have lots of customers who want uh, to be able to deploy uh, deploy things and know that they're you're not going to have to migrate, you know, every few years or whatever. They want to be able to deploy it and have it supported and, as you say, have it be compliant potentially to uh, various things. So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a great product offering. Well, yeah, and think about, so we've got, um, I don't know if any folks listening who are users of ROS, the robotics operating system. So ROS is, um, it's a, I'll say a, subset of packages that you install on top of Ubuntu. So if you're making a robot, there is a very good chance that your time to develop it and time to get to market is, you know, it, it takes a while. You're building a very complex piece of machinery. Um, and so let's say it takes two years after the LTS is released. So now you've got, you know, three years under LTS. Well, by having ESM, you can keep your robot secure for the entire lifespan of, let's say, a more expensive industrial robot that's going to be in your factory or on your um, warehouse floor for a long time. So it's kind of a neat thing in, in that space. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting about ESM is that it's not just for keeping your system secure, which obviously is important. But in today's world, there are a lot of different um, certifications and compliance things you have to meet. And part of that is that you need to um, apply patches. So if you're under, I believe GDPR has a, uh, a requirement for patches. PCI definitely has a requirement for patches. Um, these different certifications require you to stay up to date. And so if you're not using ESM, but you're still on an LTS after it has gone out of standard support, you know, you're you're in trouble. If you have a hack, your, your, um, your cyber insurance company might not cover you. The banks might not cover you. But if you're using ESM, now you've mitigated that risk and you've definitely checked that box. Cool. So uh, if people want to enable ESM, it's as simple as installing the UA client on their trusty machines then. Yes, it can be all and done then, from the command line. Yep, and then activating it and attaching it or I forget, yeah. But you create a credential and then you you know attach that to your machine and then it's able to use the, the ESM repos. So previously you had to be a uh, an Ubuntu Advantage customer and you would get specific credentials to be able to access the repo, but now anyone can using the new UA client. Correct. It's super simple to do. Just do it all from the command line and it's going to configure it as you use the UA tool. You're no longer in the past. I think we had to edit a file to make that work. Now it's just a UA enable command. So... Um, all the command the, the tool is very helpful um, 
with setting it up, so you shouldn't have to Google any instructions or anything like that. Maybe when we get a chance, we'll throw a, um, a video. Actually, no, there is a video. If you go to um, the Ubuntu Twitter account, which is just twitter.com slash Ubuntu, um, there's a video of enabling um, ESM. Cool. I'll link it in the show notes as well. Awesome. Well, um, I think we've talked a bit about ESM tonight, Alex. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Actually, no, next week um, I will not be on the call. So we'll have to have a guest, um, a guest who is not me or just Alex um, on next week's podcast. No you can worries. be our lucky dial-in guest. We'll have a, um, if you're the 95th caller, who can identify the song we play in the credits. Okay, everybody. <laughs> awesome. We'll see you next week. And thanks again for listening. All right. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Thanks again, as always, Joe. Great talking to you. All right, that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can email us at security at ubuntu.com. Or if you want to chat with us, you can find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. Uh, you can also uh, send the public mailing list, which is uh, Ubuntu Hardened at uh, lists.ubuntu.com. Uh, and we also have a discourse. Uh, so at discourse.ubuntu.com, there is a security section. And finally, if you want to reach us on Twitter, we are at Ubuntu underscore sec. So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. As Joe mentioned, he uh, probably won't be on the podcast next week and I, I will see, maybe I can get someone else on board as well. But yeah, Joe is off with a lot of the other um, management and uh, tech lead folks at Ubuntu off on uh, the 2004 product engineering sprint. So they're going to be discussing things like, you know, what features to implement in the 2004 cycle and, you know, having a retrospective of the previous 1910 uh, E1 cycle. So that's going to be really interesting. And yeah, hopefully in an upcoming episode, we can talk a bit more about what was discussed there and what our plans are for the 2004 cycle. And so, yeah, until next time, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, keep calm and enable automated upgrades. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.